Well, praise the Lord. Again, this is Pastor Jerry Roberts coming to you in your living room, your vehicle, whatever or however you're watching or listening. Again, it is always a privilege and always an honor to bring the Word of God to you. And we're just uh, very privileged and honored that you would uh, take the time to watch and to listen. So we're excited about that. Again, we're still uh, moving forward with some of this uh, virus stuff, uh, at least in our state. We've uh, got a few things trying to move forward, a um, little bit of our, uh, uh, our political side of things and our judicial side of things right now are a little bit back and forth, uh, kind of, you know, trying to get some things figured out. And uh, so when we figure it out, or when they figure it out, then we'll be able to tell you and let you know about it. So as of right now, we're still... Uh, speaking in an empty room here, uh, coming to you, amen, wherever you're at. So again, we call you blessed, and we give thanks for you in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord. Once again, here we are in the midweek service. Uh, we have been taking uh, our midweeks, or at least my time with you, our midweeks on uh, talking about our patriarchs of faith, trying to glean and learn uh, some of the key things about their life, some of the good, some of the bad, some things that uh, they did right, some even some things that maybe didn't do right, you know, but uh, we learn from it. Our key verse, again, is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now it says, all, Now all these things happened to them, talking about the children of Israel, as examples, and they were written or recorded, right, for our admonition or instruction, teaching, however you want to word that, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, uh, what you can learn from their lives are keys, principles, the do's and don'ts that be forever do's and don'ts, principles, okay? So that's what it's trying to bring out. That's why it's, it was recorded for you and me, and their lives become then examples uh, to us. Now, in context, the children of Israel, you know, uh, uh, it's talking about something that maybe they didn't do quite so right. And as a result of it, they end up wandering in a wilderness for 40 years, uh, which, by the way, was not necessarily the plan of God there. All right. A lot of people say it was, but it wasn't. All right. Due to their murmuring, griping, complaining and all that kind of stuff, um, they ended up limiting God, the scripture says. And as a result of it, they end up uh, wandering in a wilderness for 40 years. And that... Uh, the 40 years was picked uh, based on one year for every day that the spies were gone when they went into the promised land to spy out the land. And so, anyway, we've taken time in one of our services and talked about that. Now, we have uh, over the, you know, whatever, how many months this has been now, talking about this, I think, uh, you know, four or five months now, we have uh, talked about many different patriarchs of faith. We've talked about David, uh, spent several weeks with David and uh, several weeks with Abraham. Uh, we talked about Daniel, Gideon, Caleb, Moses, uh, uh, Joseph, I believe is who we were with last week. We even took, uh, you know, we did take a Sunday service way in the beginning of the year and talked uh, quite a bit about Joshua. So we've been, you know, for, for the most part, uh, you know, talked about, a, you know, getting close to about a dozen different individuals. And so today we're going to talk about Nehemiah. So if you will, let's turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, please. So, Nehemiah, chapter 1. I'll go ahead and get there real quick. <clears throat> we'll spend pretty much most of our time here, maybe a few little references here and there, but for the most part, we're going to spend our time here. There'll be, again, maybe quite a bit of reading just to try to, you know, 
to lay out the whole story. What we got is um, really Nehemiah is a, a servant of the king of Persia, okay, serves in the palace. He is a cupbearer, um, you know, uh, an attendant to the, to the king. Uh, in some ways, kind of like a bartender, I guess. Maybe that would be kind of a rough way of saying it. But, uh, you know, he brought the drink and the, whatever it was that uh, the king had ordered. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he did a lot of talking to the king because obviously he didn't, and, um, and, except for what we're going to read about here. But um, he's got a, a, quite a story. Uh, Nehemiah was a very passionate man about what he believed. And as a result of it, his passion not only affected the king, but it affected uh, leaders in Jerusalem. It affected the city, uh, you know, that region. Uh, one man, uh, because of his passion, affected thousands, all right? And quite frankly, I believe that's, uh, that's the same for you and me. If we operate uh, out of uh, a passion for God, Amen. And, uh, you know, out of the wisdom of God and, a, and a, you know, a, a, a clear purpose in God, uh, you can affect thousands. And uh, so that's kind of what I'm hoping that you grab hold of here today. We're going to talk about a passionate servant. Praise God. And so with that said, we're going to Nehemiah chapter 1, please. And we're going to go with just verse 1. I'll just kind of read through this and kind of talk about it as we get through it. I'm basically going to read the first couple chapters here, um, but uh, stopping along the way, of course. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, okay, um, it came to pass in the month of uh, Kislev, I believe it's how it's pronounced, in the 20th year as I was in uh, Shushan, the citadel, which is, of course, the, the palace, a fortified palace, okay, so he's in the palace of uh, the king of Persia here that uh, Hananiah, okay, one of my brethren, uh, came uh, with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Now, of course, Jerusalem is, uh, you know, was taken captive, and many of them fled. Some stayed. Um, of course, uh, you know, Nehemiah is, is one that uh, was from there, but of course now he's a servant in, uh, in, in uh, you know, in Persia. And so, uh, you know, he's, you know, heard from uh, friends that have come back from there to see, kind of let him fill him in on what's going on, okay? Now, verse 3 says, And they said to me, uh, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province uh, are there in great distress and reproach. In other words, it ain't good there. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Now we see a reaction out of, out of Nehemiah. Obviously, you know, uh, he's very, uh, very uh, caught up by this, very, uh, um, you know, moved by it. All right, so there's, there's kind of a reaction here. He says, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now obviously, he has a relationship with the Lord. Okay, so that's a good thing to know, okay? So it ain't just some kind of a worldly type uh, drive here going on. This man has a love for God and a love for God's people and a love for God's uh, city, okay? So here we go. And I said, this is what he said now, this is what Nehemiah said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who, who love, 
okay, who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house uh, and I have sinned. Now, I, what, I, I think the neat thing to say about that, not only is he he's praying a real sincere prayer to God, but we're seeing in the middle of it, okay, not only uh, you know, a, a, a positive response here, but we're seeing um, you know, through his passion for God, we're seeing now something that's, that's, being, uh, that's changing in him even a little bit. We're seeing him taking some ownership here, okay? Even though he's not there, he, he still takes it on that the, 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 uh, the decisions that were made by the children of Israel that were wrong, okay, wasn't just made by a few people. He said, we all did this. We all forgot who we were. We all made mistakes. And he's, he's, he says that even me and my household, my family, we all made mistakes. So we see uh, not only just a, a positive reaction that's, that's moving him toward God in prayer and intercession, but we're seeing a sense of repentance. And all repentance is is a, is a change of way of thinking or a change of heart. It literally means to stop and turn and go the other way. Okay, so we're seeing some things happening here. Okay, this is a real deal. This ain't just some surface thing that's going on. This man is legitimately passionate about, about his God, God's people, amen, and the city of Jerusalem. All right, let's move on. Uh, verse 7 now, okay. Uh, we have uh, acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which uh, you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, which is, of course, what happened. But verse 9, but if you return to me. In other words, he's saying, listen, I, I remember what you said to him, that if you, that if you uh, turn away from God, you'll be scattered. But if you turn toward God, uh, amen, and keep my commands and do them. And here we go. Though some of you were cast out to the farthest part, of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So we're seeing that he says, listen, I remember that all of this happened not because God did this to them. You have to understand that the scattering was based on their own choices, and he knew that. But also he remembered that in that same, same statement, that if God's people would return, that they'd be that uh, this whole thing could turn around and be changed. And so he's 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 grabbing hold of that. Okay, verse ten. Now these are uh, your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed uh, by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray. Please, I love this. Please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. So he's talking about. A, so he's saying. God, listen, this is your servant, okay? There's something happening inside this man. There's a stirring in him, okay? So there's a, there's a drive in him, not just, to, not just to create some kind of reaction, but we're seeing repentance, and now we're seeing here in a sense, we're seeing a request that's being made to God, all right, about, you know, what can we do about this, right? He says, listen, your servant 
and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. In other words, the prayer of your servant, talking about me, and he said, I know there's others out there doing the same thing. So he's saying, I'm joining my faith with the intercession of their faith, amen, or, or in their, of their faith, I mean. So I'm connecting my faith with their faith, my intercession with their intercession, amen, to see something happen here, all right? All right. He goes on to say, um, let your servant, I love this, talking about himself, prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy. In other words, grant Nehemiah, he's talking about himself, grant me mercy in the sight, okay? Grant me mercy in the sight of this man. And what man is he talking about? He's talking about the king because he serves the king. All right, now you stop me and think about it, okay? This, this whole thing is a phenomenal miracle that happens here. Here he is, a servant, okay? Uh, he's, not even from, he's not even from there. And here he is, you know, based on, probably based on uh, being taken captive years ago. And so being raised up here now in the palace, and he's serving the king, all right? He says, so I'm asking, okay, I see that something needs to be done here, okay? And I'm stirred to do something, but I'm going to need a miracle. I'm going to need something to happen for this to happen for this to go down, okay? So he said, I'm asking, okay, this servant, your servant, Lord God, is asking, amen, uh, for not only mercy in your sight, but I'm looking for mercy in the sight of the king here. I, wanted, I need a miracle here, okay? Now listen, for I was the king's cupbearer. I like how he said I was. I don't know, it's just something about that, okay? So he's, he's already knowing something's going to happen here. So obviously what he prayed, he prayed by faith. He's believing something. He knows he's called to do something, okay? All right, he's pretty passionate about it, all right? Now, let's go to chapter 2, and let's read and see what happens here. In chapter 2, it says this, uh, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, okay, in the uh, 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I think is how it's pronounced, when wine was before him that I took the wine and gave it to the king, now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? So it's obvious you're not sick, but there's something different. Your countenance is different. Something's wrong here. This is nothing but sorrow of heart. And now it said, So I became, this is Nehemiah talking now, So I became dreadfully afraid here or thoroughly uh, and, and if the word afraid here, uh, when you look it up, it's a word that uh, refers to uh, something out of reverence or high regard. So when he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm dreadfully afraid, well, see, what it is, is protocol got flipped up here a little bit. Okay, uh, the king bearer, uh, the, the cup bearer, pardon me, uh, you know, the, the, the attendant here didn't normally carry on conversations with the king. So now all of a sudden the king takes note. Now, this is, now listen, this is all miracles. This is his prayer being answered. Because normally the king didn't give him any attention, didn't, didn't, didn't worry about it. He just comes, a guy, you know, he tells somebody he wants some wine, whatever. So the cupbearer goes, pours a cup, brings it to him, sets it before him and moves on. Does his job, amen. Goes back to whatever he has to go, go back and do. All right, but this time the king uh, made note of him and noticed him, amen, that he, you know, something's wrong here. You can see it in his face, all right? Now, anyway, 
So he said, I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, all right, may the king live forever. And he goes on to say, because really what it is now, it's an opportunity, okay? So what he prayed earlier on at the end of chapter 1 there, he was praying for somehow there to be mercy in the, in the king, okay, or with the king concerning this whole thing, because he knows there's no way any of this is going to go down if I don't have favor from the king, okay? So now he's, what he's basically praying for is an opportunity, an opening, an occasion, okay, where he can, you know, somehow let it be known what he wants to do, okay? And obviously he got that. So this is amazing. So, uh, you know, here are now an opportunities in front of him. And he asks, you know, uh, you know what's, what's going on here? So he says, why should my face not be sad, be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Now get this. Then the king said to him, you know, what do you request? That's pretty big, okay? He could have just said, so what? You know, ain't none of my concern, you know. We, you know, basically, probably one of them that even took over the city. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, there uh, could very well be, okay? And uh, so, you know, this city had been taken advantage of for a lot of years now, you know. The walls broke down. The, the city gates are burnt down, okay? So basically, now anybody can come and go as they please, okay? So, uh, you know, could very well be that this king even had something to do with some of that, all right? Obviously, had people from there even working for him, okay? So could very well be that he had a big part to play in that. And here he is now, not only giving Nehemiah an opportunity here, not only giving him, in a sense, some mercy here, he's asking, well, what are you going to do about it, right? I like this. He says, what do you request? And he said, so I prayed to God of heaven. Now, I don't know, you know, if there's a little bit of a time frame here, if, uh, you know, he had an opportunity to walk away and then get it settled, or whether at that moment he just said, Lord, help me. You know, I mean, right then, and then bang, he gave an answer. And my, my thought is he probably were at that moment just saying, oh, Lord, give me the words, you know. So anyway, he said to the king, verse 5, if it pleases the king, I like this, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask, here we go, that you send me. Send me. He could have said, I'm just asking you to send somebody to go take care of that. Or, or could you just, you know, you, know, you know, do something for that city and somehow, you know. But he said, no, send me. Send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. All right, talking about Jerusalem here, all right. Then the king said to me, well, and, it said here that the, and it said that the king was also sitting beside him. So the king and queen are both there. How long will your journey be? I love it. So obviously he's got, the, he's got the go ahead. How long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set, uh, set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king. In other words, listen, I appreciate all this and, I, and, and, and thank you for that. But I'm asking another thing here, okay, if you're okay with it. If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, and we're going to see why that is, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. 
and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber. I mean, I love this. Not only am I asking to be released to go do something, to be relieved of my duty so I can go handle something. He's asking, I want some papers from you so that everybody I come in contact with, that I've got, I've got the papers, okay, with probably the signet ring stamped or whatever it is, okay, on it, saying that I'm, I'm being sent by you so I don't have any trouble. And not only that, I'm asking, I'm going to need some materials to do this. So I, I need a letter to those that are in charge of the forest that I can cut down, some, have some timbers cut down to uh, rebuild, uh, rebuild the gates. All right, this is pretty cool. Okay, um, so uh, to a uh, letter to Asaph, the keeper of the fo- uh, king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel. Okay, well, that city, that, that, uh, uh, those main gates there, which pertains to the temple uh, for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. So he's talking about uh, for everything, okay? The gates that go to the, uh, the main, uh, main castle there or the main... Uh, uh, where the king, you know, or the, the, the king of the city or whatever, the, those that rule there uh, for the, the temple and for the main gates out front. Okay, that's what he's talking about. So I need to, I need, we need to replace all of this. Okay, for the city wall and uh, for the house that I walk. I love this. And even for the house that I'm going to occupy. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm staying pretty decent too. All right, here we go. And the king granted them to me. I like that. The king granted them to me according to, I love this, according to the good hand of my God upon me. In other words, he's acknowledging, okay, that all of this was done, amen, because God's hand was upon him, okay? So he's, he's, he's given credit where credit was due, all right? I love this. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen even with me. I love this. Now when Sanballat, uh, the Horonite, and uh, Tobiah, the Ammonite, okay, of, official heard of it. Okay, now these are some of the ones, see, that had to get the letters. Okay, now just hang on because these ain't real good guys, okay. But they were uh, deeply disturbed that a man had to come uh, to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. In other words, these are really some men that have really been keeping uh, Jerusalem under, uh, you know, under the thumb screw, so to speak, okay, trying to, you know, keep them under, all right? Now, all of a sudden, uh, the, you know, the king of Persia now is sending help to Jerusalem, all right? So now they're kind of, they're getting a little bit nervous what's going on here, all right? He says, so I came, verse 11, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I rose in the night, I and a few men with me, I told no one, uh, what my God had put in my heart, I love that, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. In other words, I didn't draw a lot of attention to myself, okay, as of yet, right? And I went out by night through the valley gate uh, to the serpent uh, well and to the refuse gate, okay, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, uh, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, and there was no room uh, for the animal under me to pass. So I went up uh, in the night by the valley and viewed the wall, and then I turned back uh, and entered uh, by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know 
uh, where I had gone or what I had done, I, I had not yet told the Jews, uh, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or others who, uh, who did the work. In other words, I, I, haven't, I just basically went out there and got a game plan. Okay? I've been told of God. I've got the witness of God. Um, I've got a drive on the inside to do this. I've not only got, um, you know, this thing on the inside, but God has proven himself already even on the outside, okay? He's used me to speak to the king and make a difference there, okay? But now I'm here I am in, in the city, and so I'm, I just took some time, walked around, checked out all the damage, okay, inside and out, came uh, in this gate, out that gate, in this gate, out that gate, checking the, uh, the gates, checking the walls, uh, seen it from the inside, walked out, walked around the outside, just checking it all out to get, get a game plan so I know exactly how much damage there really is, okay? Then we get to verse 17, okay? And I might spend a little more time on a couple of these verses, all right? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> then I said to them, you see the distress. Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to uh, the Jews here. He'll be talking really to the, uh, the leadership of that city, okay? Uh, the nobles and the officials, you know, even the priests, okay? So he's talking to all the key people of the city, all right? And I said to them, you see the distress that we are in and how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach, okay? So now, here we go, okay? Now it's about convincing the leadership of the city. Now, why is that so big? You think they'd all be, woohoo, but you have to understand that they've been beat down, okay? They've been under a lot, okay? Their, their self-worth has been destroyed, uh, you know, they have no, uh, no security whatsoever. In fact, they're all very insecure because of everything that's happened. They've been basically stripped to nothing, okay? And you have to understand that there's such a type and shadow of this. Remember, all of these are examples to you and me, okay? Because really, in a sense, this represents the world around us. Because the world around us, uh, you know, has been stripped of its self-worth. It, it's insecure because of everything it's, uh, you know, they've been through and been under. You know, without God, it's, it's rough out there. You know, there's some folks in God that don't lean on God that it might seem rough. Now, could you imagine being out there and not having God, okay? It gets pretty rough out there, okay? And so here we are as those called to go in and restore, to bring healing, to be a light, to be a difference maker, to make a difference in our families, our communities, our regions, our state, our nation, around the world. That's what we're called to do. But this man, something happened. This man had a passion, okay? He had a passion. When, when, when he heard about the news of his in a sense, his hometown and the damage, something, something jumped in him, all right? Something was stirred in him to be a difference maker here, all right? Hallelujah. Let me, let me just define passion here real quick because it kind of makes sense. 
The word passion is defined as, uh, in some places as an intense emotion, okay? Uh, it's also defined many times as enthusiasm, all right? Obsession, okay? Some people seem obsessed. No, they're just passionate about what they believe, right? But it means a burning desire or fervent fire, okay? Paul uh, talked about in Romans 12 about, uh, you know, that we're called to serve the Lord fervent in spirit. That means with a fervent fire, passionate, amen. It literally means to maintain at boiling point. Well, this is what happened in, uh, in Nehemiah, which I believe with all my heart, that's what can happen in you and me. You know, when you, when you hear things that are going on, uh, hopefully it stirs in you, uh, you know, the, the desire to rise up and be all that you can be. Now, I believe every individual, every child of God can be, can be more and do more than they think. According to Philippians 4, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, which means that you'd probably be amazed at what you can do if you just kind of jump on board and get with it, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I believe most people have certain things they're passionate about. Okay, hopefully we're all, at least it's those watching and listening, you know, you're children of God that have a relationship with your Lord and Savior. Hopefully you're passionate at least about your God, passionate about your church. I mean, I, you know, I pastor a church and, and uh, you know, we got, you know, a, you know, a few hundred folks that, uh, that claim this as their body, as their church, and I hope that they're passionate about their church and passionate about, you know, uh, serving and being a difference maker in, in our community. And I know that, that those watching and listening, uh, you're, you're all around the world. We got people from all over the world watching and listening. And you got your own local churches, hopefully, that you belong to and, and serve at. And, and hopefully you're just as passionate about making a difference where you're at. Amen. Amen. It's amazing what one individual with a purpose and a passion can do. One individual can change the lives of thousands if they'll just stick to it, just follow through with it, praise God. Amen. Now, I said all that because back here in verse 17 again, hallelujah, he says, then I said to them. Now, I just want you to know I always, uh, you know, with me, you know, I, I kind of like with the defining words because to me it brings out the story more. Now, this word, you know, I said, it wasn't like he just sat him down and I just want to tell you, hey, man, you know, I came from out of town and I'm just, just you know, I kind of saw some problems and I, you know, I'm just hoping maybe you guys like it. I mean, that ain't how this thing come out. This guy's got, this guy's passionate about what he believes. He knows he's been sent by God. He's got it on the inside. God's already proved it. Amen. Back with the king and, and, and where, you know, coming through all the letters, everything that he had. God's already proven that he's, he's behind him. So now he's standing in front of these leaders. You know, he's got this thing in him. And say, I'm going to get this stern in you. All right. So this word and said, okay, it's amazing. Now you just take one word like this. Then I said to them, I said is uh, Amar is the, uh, is the Hebrew word. And it means to say with latitude or to speak with purpose, to challenge or to spur forward. I like that. 
So you know that this passionate servant, okay, now is being passionate about what he believes. Amen. He's, he's called to do the God that's, that's with him, what God's already done for him. He's, he's standing in front of these men, amen, saying, hey, I got something to say, and this is, we're going to get something done here, all right? So he said, I, and said, right? Now, I was thinking about this. I, I you know, get to meditating on these things, and I think about uh, an individual that, uh, that I always feel, you know, is pretty passionate, okay, was, was Paul. Okay, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, uh, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of those came out of letters, epistles or letters uh, to different churches uh, around that region, okay? Now, Paul didn't just sit down and just write letters. I mean, he obviously did that. Some of the letters were even written in prison because he was thrown in prison for, for, uh, for some of the things that, that he did. But the whole thing was done based on passion. This guy was passionate. He was stirred up. All right. He had a move of God in his own life. And then as a result of it, he had purpose. He had passion about what he believed. And he went here. Everywhere he went, he made a difference. In, in Acts 17, and um, I believe it's like verse 16, uh, the word says he was in Athens at the time. And he said, the word said that, that his spirit, let's talk about Paul now, his spirit was provoked within him. Amen. When he just stopped and looked around in the city. He saw idols and, uh, you know, everywhere. And so something, when he saw that, the word says he was pricked or provoked on the inside, all right? All of a sudden, he became passionate about, he knew what he had to do. He's got to make a difference here. Now, it was said earlier in that same chapter in the book of Acts that it was, it was said of him and his crew that these men who have, who have uh, turned the world upside down have come here too. I mean, these guys, we've heard stories about these guys. Everywhere they go, they literally flip everything upside down. Well, that's why. why well, they're passionate about what they believe. And they don't just, they're not lightweight about anything. They get with it and they, and they say what, what they know they're supposed to say and they move forward regardless of the pressure, regardless of what's, uh, uh, you know, who, who's opposing them, okay? And Nehemiah, he's got the same, got the same drive in him. Okay, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit about that. But, I mean, even the opposition that he dealt with, all right, it didn't move him, all right, and said, right, he said to them, praise God, motivating them, right, stirring vision, stirring hope in them, amen, purpose, passion, amen. And literally that, you know, when you, when you got purpose and passion and you're, and you're not quiet about it, you, you, you know, you're, uh, you got this drive. You're living God loud, so to speak. And, and if you do it right, it'll, it'll stir morale. It'll stir passion in others. It'll stir a drive in others, praise God. That's all about being the light. That's all about being a difference maker, praise God. So let's go on. Said, and I said to them, I'm still in verse 17. He said, you see the distress that we're in now. How Salem lies in waste. And his gates are burned with them. He, and I say, listen, he's, he's standing there talking to him. So obviously he's motivating them by speech. But then he's recall, bringing recall to him. He's saying, listen, I mean, just look around. Look at what's going on here. Look how your city looks right now. So I took, you know, I looked up that. And this word you see is ra is, is the Hebrew word. But it means to behold. In other words, stop, take a look. 
Consider this. Take heed to this. Regard. Amen. Distinguish. Analyze. Just stop and take a look. All right? And I, and I, and I, uh, I get moved by another, you know, there's, there's just some of these people that are kind of like heroes to me, you know. And it ain't like they always, they always did everything right, but, they, but they're, the passion part is what would always uh, impress me. David, you know, was, who was one we, we took quite a few weeks and talked about that in our midweeks, you know. But one of those things that was so, so alive, and it was passion for God and a passion to do what's right. And I get, re, uh, uh, you know, when you see David come on the scene when, uh, when the uh, Israeli armies against, uh, um, you know, the, or against uh, uh, Goliath and, and his army, okay, uh, you know, so here we are now, they're opposing each other, and David hears that giant come out and run his mouth. And then he hears what, what's going to happen for the guy that takes him out. And so he's going around, man, he's just trying to get all his facts straight, and he's going around up and down talking to the men, oh, what's going to happen with it? And, and, and if we take this guy out, what? Uh, and well, his brothers got upset with him and kind of got embarrassed and told him to get out of there and... And, uh, well, you know the story, but David made a statement that always kind of burns in me. Okay, in 1 Samuel 17, okay, he brings out, he said, he said, is there not a cause? What are you getting upset with me about? Why are you mad with me? Why, why are you down on me? I mean, can't you just look and can't you just, can't you just see what's going on here? Is there not a cause? Isn't there a reason that we do what we need to do here? And see, this is what, this is what uh, Nehemiah is doing right now with these men. He said, listen, you're all the leaders of this community, this, this city. Stop and look. Somewhere along the line, we got to change this. we gotta, we got to make a difference. I've been sent here to tell you we need to make a difference here. So he's not only just speaking things to him. All right, there's this, this passion, this drive. He's bringing everything to their attention to say, listen, just look at your walls. Look at your gates. We got to make a difference here. We got to change this. See, I don't believe there was anything about Nehemiah. I don't think he just stood up there like some little guy. Oh, hey, man, you know, just can't. I don't think, you know, this guy was passionate about what he believed. And he obviously was because it obviously changed him. All right, so let's, let's look some more here. All right, so let me read it again. Verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in and how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Now here we go. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Come, in other words, and let us burn. Man, it's like, come. In other words, listen, I'm in this with you. All right, but look at the word come here is yalak, okay? which means cause to run, to march, or follow. It literally means to go one's way uh, that leads. So he's saying, he's obviously trying to lead. He says, so come with me, let's go, let's go make a difference. So he's not just, it's not just about words. See, it's not just about he heard something, and now he's telling somebody else, you know, maybe somebody else should go do something. He could have said that, and it probably never would have got done. But he knew it was in him to do this. So not only is he, is, he, is he stirring them up to make a difference, he's saying, listen, let's go now. Let's, let's, let's leave this place. Let's go out there and let's get this thing done. 
So now he's being a leader amongst leaders. That's what passion will do, praise God. Passion with purpose. All right? All right? So all of a sudden now he knows, praise God, if this is going to get done, you're going to need somebody that's going to you know, be, be there willing to keep this thing moving forward, and I'm willing to do that. So let's go get her done, praise God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think about uh, Paul again. If you kind of get later uh, you know, in the book of Acts there, uh, you know, Paul, you know, of course, over the, uh, the years that he served, you know, how many times he was in a, a position, you know, where, uh, you know, he came in the scene and made a difference. And, and one of those things, uh, you know, that happened, he knew that uh, he was called uh, by God because it was a word of the Lord to him that he was going to stand before kings, okay? And um, he ended up standing before King Agrippa, okay? But he was sharing uh, before the king and other leaders there, um, you know, here he is basically a hostage, you know, or, you know, a prisoner, but um, he's, he's sharing, amen, what he was called to do by God. And one of those things that he said, which is a kind of a key verse, uh, I always think in, in our lives, because to me, it's, uh, I kind of always feel like it's, it's what God spoke to us, you know, and, and probably a lot of other churches feel the same way, you know, but, uh, but he said this, you know, he, he said, I've been sent with purpose, right? But verse uh, here we go, Acts 26 and 18, he said this, to, I've been sent to open their eyes, right, in order to turn them from darkness to light, in order to turn them from a, the power of Satan unto God. And of course, it goes on more, but I feel like that's that same kind of thing that's going on right here with Nehemiah. Okay, listen, I've been sent by God to do something different here, to get, get things changed, make things different. You know, when, that, when, when Paul got done sharing his heart about what God had called him to do, I mean, this boy was, I mean, he was passionate. In fact, uh, uh, you know, one of the guys in the room, you know, sitting close to the king said, you, you're, you're mad, man. You're, 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 you're kind of, whoa, dude, settle down, you know. But it was, he was passionate. And you know, when he got done talking, King Agrippa later on in that chapter said, man, Woo! You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Now, you know, it didn't, I don't know that he went all the way, but he definitely said, Woo, man, you got, you've done something even in me. You've pricked my heart. And man, I've, all of a sudden, you, you're persuading me. I mean, that's pretty huge. But you know, that was something that God had called Paul to do. All right? Well, why is that? Well, the man remained passionate, fervent in spirit. Same for you and me. We're called to do that. Amen. Nehemiah was very fervent. Praise God. Let's get down and let's go to verse um, 18. Okay. So then he says this, and I told them of the hand of my God. So now this is Nehemiah talking to the leaders again. So not only am I, you know, trying to stir you to make a difference, not only saying, come on, follow me. We're going to be, I'm telling you, God sent me to do this. All right, so God is with us here, all right? I told him of the hand of my God, uh, which had been a, a good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. In other words, given witness that look what God did here. God even moved the heart of the king to do this, all right? I love this. So they said, okay, so obviously it was enough. It stirred them. They said, let us rise up and build. 
Then they set their hands to do this good work. In other words, praise God, they were stirred. That word rise up literally means to stir up, to accomplish, to rise up, to achieve, or to carry through or to finish something, praise God. Hallelujah. I, um, you know, when you get done, you see some people when they get, they get stirred, how, how things begin to shift. It doesn't take much. It just takes passion, okay, and, and, and direction or purpose, amen, and all of a sudden, if people catch it, it makes a difference. Now, I even think of Peter um, when he was uh, ministering his sermon after they came out of the upper room in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Uh, you know, in the book of Acts, you see a lot of passion, right? A lot of passion and purpose and drive, you know. And uh, that's why it's such a wonderful book, you know. Uh, you know, we see those that began with the church and why, why the church got, a, uh, you know, started uh, catching, uh, you know, uh, gaining ground and, uh, you know, getting some traction, praise God, because of men who are passionate. Well, Peter preaches a sermon, okay, and one sermon, the Word says it pricked their heart or it, it, it stirred, aroused their hearts. Literally 3,000 people came to Christ. One sermon. Now, that'd be a sermon. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. But that's what passion and purpose will do. When people know who they are and what they're called to do, and they're passionate about it, remain fervent in God, fervent in spirit, man, it's amazing what you can get done. Praise God. Hallelujah. Back to Nehemiah. Praise God. Now, so these, these leaders are all stirred to get something done. But, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, with every opportunity, uh, there's always going to be some form of opposition. With every open door, there's always something coming along that's trying to oppose it, okay? All right, we even see that in the book of Acts, you know, that, that, that no matter what, even though there's things that are moving forward, there's always something trying to war against them. Well, here we go again. Verse 19 now, 19 and 20, says, But when Sanballat, uh, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and uh, Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, okay, they laughed at us and despised us. In other words, so they must have been right there close, one of the guys, because they're these outside, you know, these, you know, outside officials, okay. They're wondering why is this, uh, this Nehemiah here. So they must have been right there close, or maybe they were even in the room when all this was going down, but they're sitting there opposing, they're laughing. They're thinking, it ain't going to happen. Ain't no way it's going to happen. That just sounds demonic, doesn't it? It's just straight from the pit of hell, man. And these individuals, that's exactly what they, they were, man. And I said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? They ain't rebelling against the king. The king got behind it. All right? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, you ain't from this place, so shut up and get on out of here. They're the ones, see, that were keeping Jerusalem kind of under uh, the thumbscrews, okay? They're the ones trying to keep them down. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're stirred up, okay? Well, they think, ah, first they tried mocking, thinking maybe they'll, they'll mock and they'll back up and quit, but obviously it didn't. The whole next chapter starts talking about how they start rebuilding. They get about halfway with it, you know, and we'll pick it up from there in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4 now. We'll go to chapter 4. 
It says, but it so happened, here we go now, the same group, when Sanballat heard that we uh, were rebuilding the wall, that he, now he's furious and very in, in, indignant and mocked the Jews. So now it went from, uh, you know, through, you know, laughing at him, kind of in a sense belittling. Now he's mocking them, all right, he's mad because of what's going on because that's what the enemy, when the enemy realizes that people become passionate and they unite and do something, uh-oh, darkness is about to, to flee. The light's coming on. We're making a difference in our, in our, uh, our families, our, our church, our, our region, our communities. Amen. We're, we're making a difference now because they're coming together because of what passion and purpose together can do. Oh, hallelujah. Let's skip down here a little ways. We'll go to like verse 6 now of chapter 4. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, of course, at this time. And, and so he said, for the people had a mind to work. Now, uh, uh, probably won't go there, but in chapter 6, it tells and brings out that this whole thing was done in 52 days. 52 days. They restored the wall, the gates, brought the city back to a place of prominence once again, just because of the, how they, they closed it back in again uh, for a, a sense of safety and protection and really dignity. Hey, praise God, 52 days, all right? Well, anyway, let's move on. Verse 7 now, chapter 4. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and uh, the Arabs, and uh, Ammonites, and the uh, Ashdodites, okay, these are all those opposing them, all those out there just kind of trying to keep them under, uh, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired uh, together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Okay, man, you just see, it's just a type and a shadow of the enemy. That's what our enemy does, trying to just shut you down, trying to, trying to back up on your passion, your drive, your purpose, your calling. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. Nevertheless, verse 9, I love this. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, uh, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, uh, the strength uh, of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build a wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. And so it was when the Jews who dwelt near, came, uh, near them came, and they told us uh, ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon. In other words, they're coming and they're letting it be known what these guys are saying out there. And they're going to come. They're going to do this. They're, they're, they're trying to scare us now. And it's, it's actually kind of working. That's really what's happening right now. But get this, verse 14. This is one of my favorite verses. Okay. And I looked and arose. Now, this is, this is Nehemiah. I looked and arose and said, all right? So praise God. Hallelujah. To me, this is, a, I think years ago, I did a, did a service just dealing with this, uh, just this verse itself, you know, talking about, you know, step up, rise up, and help others up, you know, because that's exactly what he said. He started stirring them up, all right? He said, hey, hey, don't give in to this, all right? All right. He said uh, to the nobles, the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Don't you fear what they're saying out there. They're just running their mouth, trash talking, literally. <laughs> they're trash talking, all right? Do not be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord, great and awesome, 
Hallelujah. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. You have a reason to fight. Remember, you got a God that's with you. And remember, you got a reason to do this. There's a cause, praise God. There's a reason we're doing this. For your family's sake, for your own homes, for your city. This is why we do this, praise God. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known uh, to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing. It was just a bunch of words running their mouth just trying to scare them. And now they're realizing, you know what? They ain't going to budge. They're not going to back up. They're not going to retreat just because they heard some things. But I believe with all my heart, it took a man like Nehemiah to keep that thing moving forward. Listen, they got halfway up, all right? And now all these things are being said, all right? So the, 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 war, the war that goes on the inside is, you know, they're thinking about their families and, you know, it could be we could lose our lives or there could be even more damage come to us if we do this. But he's trying to say, listen, if you don't do this, you're automatically going to lose your families, your households, your city. So you might as well fight. Let's do it. Let's get with it. All right? So he goes on. Hallelujah. Now, they're, now they've realized that their plot has, has come to nothing. Uh, verse 15 still. That all of us return to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked on construction while the other half held spears and shields and bows and whole and armor, okay? And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah, all right? So they're, they're, take, they're all involved here. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burden or did the, the, some of the grunt work loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction. With the other hand they held a weapon. So you got those that are, man, they're literally, they got, they're armed, all right, they're armed with armament, and, they, and they're still got their sleeves rolled up to make a difference. Get this thing built, praise God. Every one of the builders uh, had his sword girded at his side uh, and, as he built, uh, I mean, verse 18, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside him. In other words, there was somebody also keeping an eye all the time. If they saw something happening out there, they were going to sound the trumpet and all Head out to go take care of it, praise God. Then I said to the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and, ex and extensive, and we are uh, separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet rallied us there, our God will fight for us. I love this. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from, the, from daybreak uh, until the stars appeared. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let, us, let each man and his uh, servant... Uh, stay at night in Jerusalem uh, that they may be, uh, be our guard by night and a working party by day. So uh, neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off uh, their clothes except uh, that everyone took uh, them off just to wash. In other words, they stayed with it. They didn't back down. They didn't quit. All right. Now, um, some of the things that happened with this, I don't have time to read it all. I've probably already kept y'all for a pretty lengthy time here, but um, when, when he got to going on this, now we, we see that a man's passion just to see stuff restored in, in, his, in his home city, okay, uh, in Jerusalem. Um, we saw God move uh, with the king uh, and everything that happened there. He gets to the city, God moved with the leaders, 
God moved with the community and the men of that city. All right. Now, what happened when they came back and united? Um, there, there wasn't just about a wall, we find out, as you read on. And in fact, I challenge you to go and take some time to read on. Um, he not only restored a wall, it restored their dignity. All right. It restored, even a sense, it restored who they were. All right. Their self-worth. Okay, it was restored. Okay, and what happens, uh, Nehemiah, you know, because, uh, you, know, you know, it wasn't just about a wall. I, I think part of what happened, I think as he got involved and in working, you know, you talk about, you know, a month and a half here uh, where they're building this wall, working side by side, day and night, man. You kind of get to know one another. You know, you work alongside of each other. Um, you know, you kind of pretty soon, you know, you all got the same purpose, the same drive, the same intentions. And all of a sudden you're seeing something being accomplished, the camaraderie, the morale, everything that starts to build. We not only see a wall being restored, okay, we see their land, their property, their dignity, their homes, their families. Uh, you know, everything is starting to be restored. We're seeing things united, all right. Uh, their fervency for God, as you read on, got restored, all right? Uh, the order in the house of God got restored, as you read on several more chapters, okay? Now, the point is, is this man, one man's passion, okay, changed, really, in a sense, changed the nation, okay? Changed that whole city, but what, it, it made a difference everywhere around them, Okay? So a man with passion and a purpose can make a difference. A man with, with passion and, and maybe I could say and compassion, all right, can make a difference. And I think that's what began to stir in him wasn't just, not just a purpose, okay, but then a compassion came on him. So now that passion, okay, with purpose turned into a passion with compassion to make a difference in the lives of these people. And now he's seeing every, all this, you know, the dignity, self-worth, the security, families united. They're not fearful anymore. They're not running from, uh, you know, uh, from the noises, you know, outside the city anymore, okay? Now they've all, something got restored, and pretty soon now <clears throat> they're looking up. They're, <clears throat> they've realized that this man has come, okay, sent by God to make a difference, and it made a difference, and now all of a sudden they're all looking up, and now their passion for God and love for God is restored, and now the house of God's being restored. I mean, it's just a phenomenal story, all because of a man and his passion. And so I hope you got something out of this today. Um, you know, Nehemiah is just, you know, just kind of a cool story, you know. And um, just to see what one man can do, okay, when he just follows God and just stays with it, you know. And uh, so, anyway, it should be, a, uh, you know, a, in a sense, a, an encouragement to you and me, amen, to be a difference maker, amen, in our families and our communities, you know. And uh, just by... Staying passionate for God and walk in your purpose, 
Amen. Walk with some compassion toward others. Amen. It's amazing how we can make a difference. Amen. Praise God. Father, we give praise and glory once again. We're always thankful for your word and we're thankful for those that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive today. Father, I'm just grateful, praise God, for a man like Nehemiah and the example that he is to all of us. We can learn from him and glean from uh, his life. And uh, as he made a difference, we too can go off and make a difference in our generation, in our families, in our communities, our region. Praise God. And so, Father, I give thanks for that. Forgive us for the times that maybe we've allowed some of that to slip, maybe. Maybe we haven't remained fervent in spirit. But I thank you once again. It's being stirred up. Praise God. Stirring up those gifts within us. Stirring up that passion. Stirring up that drive and purpose to, to do what we're called to do. Stirring up compassion for those around us and the world that needs help. Praise God. So, Father, I give praise. Hallelujah. For all that you've done, all that you're doing, and for all that you're about to do, for that we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I call you blessed. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.